I'd like to start this morning just by reading a passage and, and then I'll pray for us. So Grace, could you put up that first passage out of Matthew 11? I want to start in Matthew 11 uh, today in verse 25. Jesus is with his disciples and he says this, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want to pray as we start this morning. Father, thank you that you're with us today. Thank you that we can gather in your name. And Holy Spirit, you can come and you can counsel us and comfort us and teach us. Pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would equip us, that you would bring us to a, a new place of rest, a new place of revelation, a new place of walking and working with Jesus. We bless this time and I pray for each person that's listening, each person that's watching, each person that's gathered here in this room today, that we would experience more of you, Jesus, that we would encounter you in new ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I wanted to unpack this passage a little bit today. And I was thinking about um, things in this passage that resonated with me. I started thinking about this passage because I liked the message of rest in this passage. I liked the things that were conveyed about rest. I don't know about you, but I've been weary. I've been burdened. Jesus talks about those who are weary and burdened. Come to me and I will give you rest. It's interesting in this passage of rest that he talks about, he, he talks about a work instrument. His explanation, <clears throat> his metaphor in this story, in this story of rest, in this story of being wearied and burdened, he applies a metaphor that is a work metaphor. And I want to, we'll talk a little bit about that today. But I was thinking about this idea uh, of, of a, uh, it's said in there, a yoke, this Jesus says, come to me. He says, come to me. I was thinking about that phrase. Have you ever heard the phrase, um, hit your wagon to dot, dot, dot? Have you ever thought about that? What do you hit your wagon to? Um, in sports metaphors and sports teams, sometimes they'll say these, this sports franchise has gone all in on Tom Brady. They've uh, hitched their wagon to Tom Brady and they think because of him, they're going to win the Super Bowl. That's what Tampa Bay did last year. And it worked, right? Lots of Tampa, I know lots of Tom Brady fans in the room. Whoa, lots of booze in the room. Okay, okay. So we get the idea of uh, sometimes we hitch our wagons to things and they don't pan out. Have you ever hitched your wagon to something and it didn't work out? You ever thought, ah, this is the golden ticket. I'm going to hitch my wagon to this. We all have, right? We all have hitched our wagons to things that have not worked out. 
that have hurt us, that have disappointed us. We have at times hitched our wagons to things that have been amazing, things that have gone great. I uh, stumbled across this picture. Maybe uh, your wagon looks like this. Grace, can you show that? That might feel like what your wagon looks like. A beat down car on the back of a cart. <laughs> That's me. That's my wagon right there. Well, I like this metaphor, this idea of like hitching our wagon. Jesus says, come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's, he's got this um, message of like coming to me. And I think at times we treat Jesus like we're, we're hitching our wagon to Jesus. And, and definitely in my life, I don't know about in your life, um, I've, I've hitched my, my wagon to Jesus. Like there's no, there's no other horse to which I want to be hitched but that's not the metaphor. That's just my, what I like about the metaphor. And I want to show the next picture that Jesus uses. He says, come to me, all you are weary and heaven laden, and I will give you rest. Take your, take my yoke. And so that picture, if you go back, uh, Grace, now I'm, I'm challenging Grace this morning. I'm jumping all over the place. That's my fault, not hers. So this next one. So this is hitching our wagon. The next one is the yoke picture. Thank you, Grace. This is an image. This is that instrument of work that we were talking about. And those two holes right there are for two heads. Two heads, two oxen, two animals put their heads in there. And they, they work together. They pull together. They plow together like that. I thought about trying. I didn't have enough time to do Photoshop of like pasting photos in there. Like putting me and like cool Jesus in there. Something like that, but I didn't do that. I like this imagery. Let's leave it up for a second. This is the imagery that Jesus uses. Sometimes we have this, I'm going to hitch my wagon to Jesus. And Jesus, like the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, okay, that's it. Um, I have nothing to do with this. I've hitched my wagon to Jesus. He's going to take the wheel. Yes, he's from, she's up from Oklahoma. I know, I know. Um, <clears throat> But what I love about Jesus's metaphor and his picture is that there's this relationship. There's this closeness. He says, you know, and, and I, I, I do believe that we do. Jesus is the one we hitch our wagons to. Absolutely. But in this place of rest, in this place of coming to Jesus, when he says, come to me, this is what he has in mind. He has in mind this idea of closeness with us getting arm in arm, with us getting together, with us connecting and us walking and working together. The God of the universe. And just in those previous verses leading up to this, Jesus is saying, no one knows the Father except me. And, and the Father knows me. No one knows me like the Father does. So sometimes we think about this idea of, man, God, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. And Jesus is making that direct connection. Jesus is saying, I am God. I know everything about God. Everything you need to know about God, I know. Everything you need to know about God, Jesus knew. And then it says that he left us the Holy Spirit to reveal everything about Jesus in our lives. So this idea of us hitching ourselves to Jesus right here, oftentimes this was done with an older and a younger uh, cattle, 
a more mature one and one who is immature so that the older one can teach the younger one. We're hitching ourselves. We're being connected. The God of the universe wants to come and yoke with us. He wants it to be easy and not a heavy burden. He wants us to find rest. It says in there, Jesus says in there, that we will learn from him. He says, come, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble of heart. So I have some questions today, and I'm going to keep using this um, metaphor, and you're going to get tired of it. But that idea of what or who are we yoked to today? That yoking, that, that connecting. Jesus says, come to me. You're weary. You're burdened. You're going to find rest with me. Take my yoke. I was thinking about yokes that I'm yoked with, things that I'm wearied with, things that I'm burdened with. Do you need rest for your soul? Do you want to learn? Do you need to learn from someone who's gentle and humble of heart? I tried to come up every time I hear the word yoke, I think of some bad dad joke, which I can't, I looked and, and I didn't have time to Google enough bad ja dad jokes, but there's lots of them out there about yolks and eggs and cracking yourself up, all that kind of stuff. See, there it is right there. If you look in the Old Testament, when Jesus was using that metaphor, that, that metaphor of a yoke, there, the listeners who were listening had a paradigm for that concept, both an agricultural paradigm of that's what, how they worked. They had that paradigm. They also had spiritual paradigms. And if you look in the Old Testament in references, there's several references to this concept of a yoke in the Old Testament. Some of it very negative, bad things. In Exodus 6, <clears throat> It talks about, the writer talks about the, the children of Israel, the people of Israel being under a yoke with the Egyptians. So they were uh, under this slavery, under this oppression, under this negative bad yoke of the Egyptians. That was a description of the people of Israel in the book of Exodus. Another time in the, book of, uh, in the book of Numbers, there's a reference to the people of Israel yoking themselves to Baal, to Baal worship in this particular area. And so they came under, and it says they came under the yoke of this Baal God in this Baal worship. There's another reference in Kings about a king who, was, who put harsh labor on people, harsh labor on people, and it was like a yoke on them. It was a weight on them. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks about the Lord wanting to break the yoke of the king of Babylon, where the people of Israel were in bondage. So there's a lot of references to yokes in the Old Testament as being bondage, oppression, slavery. And in, in Isaiah 58, where there's an amazing passage about the kind of fasting that the Lord wants to see. And he says this, it's he says, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free and break every yoke? These words, uh, these words uh, of, that Jesus was speaking about these yokes, man, the, the people and the listeners and the hearers had also a paradigm of what yokes meant. They meant oppression. 
injustice, slavery. They meant all of these different things. A, a, a biblical commentator named Adam Clark also has some other uh, reference, and I'll just read this. It says, ancient Jews commonly used the idea of yoke to express someone's obligation to God. There was the yoke of the kingdom, the yoke of the law, the yoke of the command, the yoke of repentance, the yoke of faith, and the general yoke of God. In this context, it's easy to see Jesus simplifying and saying, forget about all those other yokes. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus is coming and he's offering to his hearers and his followers and he's offering to us an exchange. He's offering to them that are weary and burdened. He's offering them a way in a new way, a new yoke, a new relationship, a new way to come to rest, a new way to learn, a new way to thrive, a new way to be. And he's saying, what are you going to yoke yourself to? Are you going to yoke yourself to the son? Yoke yourself to the one who knows the father and the father knows who are you going to yoke to? So he invites these hearers to come and join him. He invites the weary and the burdened. He promises rest. I mentioned to you that this idea, this is like a work um, it looks like work, but he says, he ends it. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When it's that, that word easy is also translated well-fitting or it doesn't chafe. Like it, 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 it rests, it fits, it's well-fitting. He's offering his hearers Freedom. He's offering his hearers, whom they may have viewed the yoke they're under as the Roman yoke or their own weight of their own sin or the weight of the Torah, the weight of the law, the weight of the condemnation. And he calls his hearers to a new way. He says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your soul. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So I ask us today this idea of who and what are you yoked to and how heavy and burdensome is it? I find myself at times being weighted down and being weary. Weary speaks of this idea of our own work and our own efforts. And burdens can speak of things that others put on us. I'm, I'm grieved by how at times I wanna yoke myself to other things and ideas and philosophies that seem good, that seem religious, but perhaps they lack the person of Jesus. They focus, I wanna yoke myself for my own personal success. I wanna yoke myself to a cause. I wanna yoke myself to this. I wanna yoke myself to that. And I find when I'm not yoking myself to Jesus, I become weary and I become burdened. I've got to think that Jesus, you know, this isn't the kind of rest that he's talking about. I want you to go to sleep and have a good night's sleep. It's not that kind of rest. Why would he use this idea of being yoked? There's good work that he's called you and I to do. 
there's this partnership that he's called us to, and it's meant to be well-fitting. And it's, you know what? We're meant to take on the hard things of the world. We're meant to take on the challenges of the world. We're meant to take on the difficult things of the world. I'm not saying that this is an escapism. Come to Jesus and everything is easy and light. But he invites us when we're weary and burdened. He invites us into his rest. He invites us to take on his yoke. If we're not yoked with Jesus in our work, in our calling, in our relationships, in our life, we're going to become weary and things are going to become burdensome when Jesus isn't our primary yoke. So I, I had this thought of if I could put up on the screen, and I'm not going to because I didn't do the slides, all of the different yokes, again, you guys are going to get so tired of this metaphor, I know, um, that exist in my life. So I think about, I yoked myself with Sarah when we got married 26 years ago. Well, that's going to be our anniversary coming up this Thursday. I remembered. That's a good, this is a good yoke, right? We're, we're partnered together. We're partners. We're, we're married. We're covenant, covenanted together. It's a good yoke, isn't it? Who, what are the other yokes that you have in your life? What are other ways in which you've put your head into the yoke with someone else? Is it in relationships? Is it in causes? Is it in jobs? Is it in business? Do you have a business partner that you feel yoked with? We have lots of things that we yoke ourselves to, don't we? Connect ourselves to. What's interesting about yokes is that yokes oftentimes define us, don't they? Your connections, the things that you've chosen to yoke yourself to define who you are. They tell others what's important to you. Your, your yoking, your connecting, your working with, your yoking to things, tell other people what's important to you. You know, our yokes can hurt and disappoint us. We can be yoked to a spouse, and then that spouse decides they don't want to be yoked to us anymore. And that can devastate us. We can be yoked to, we can be followers of, of, of some cause or some movement, and then that person has a problem, and, and the, the movement falls apart, and we can be hurt, and we can be disappointed. We can hurt and disappoint others by the things we yoke ourselves to, can't we? Decisions we make, things that we do, ways in which we yoke ourselves can hurt and disappoint others. One of the things I want to ask us to do today is consider the things that we're yoked to, the things that are primary, the things that we're putting ourselves, our heads into. Are they Jesus? Are the things that we're yoking with, are they reflecting Jesus? Are they reflecting his kingdom? It says in 2 Corinthians 6, Paul, there's a, in the New Testament, there's only a couple of more references to yokes. And Paul is cautioning the people in Corinth about some of their yoking. And he says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, he says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, 
For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. He's talking about this idea of this intimate connection, this intimate yoking, this intimate alignment, this intimate working together. And there can be challenges. I remember my dad telling me, my dad grew up in the business world, and he was, the one thing he always warned me about is business partnerships. (laughs) He's like, man, just so you know, they're easy to get into and hard to get out of. They get really messy. So this idea in us yoking with one another and yoking with others, we can have these unholy yokes. Other ways in which we yoke to things that don't reflect the kingdom of God at all. I've, I've been sad to see the church yoking itself in recent years to things that don't reflect the kingdom at all. Yoking themselves to nationalism, yoking themselves to different things that cut off whole portions of the body of Christ and deny the true scope of the kingdom. How do we make sure, how do we ensure that our yokes are holy? I've also seen that at times we can become disappointed or hurt when things don't work out the way we want to. And it's like, man, um, we find out that when things don't go as we thought, when we've been yoked to something or to someone and that doesn't work out and we're hurt and we're disappointed, we can all of a sudden say, man, well, this Jesus thing didn't work out. This Jesus thing didn't work out. If disappointment from a leader or a church causes you to abandon faith, then I would say, was your yoke primarily with Jesus? And I think as leaders, as church leaders, one of our jobs is to equip people to be yoked with Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Don't follow me because I've got it all together. Don't follow me because I've got it all right. He's saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. And I think in the church, we need to be equipping people to be yoked with Jesus. So in these times, how about you? Do you have misplaced yokes? I find perhaps using weariness and burdens as a place to start looking and saying, where am I potentially yoking in things that aren't bringing rest and life and work in Jesus? Are we, are we yoked with things that are counter to his kingdom? Are you yoked to Fox News? Are you yoked to CNN? Are you yoked to your influencer on Instagram and Facebook? Who are you yoked to? I think in this time, man, we need to be, there's a lot of yokes that get built up in religious systems and in religious institutions. There's a lot of layers and a lot of layers. It's like, this is what it means to follow Jesus. You got to link to this group and that's, that group. I've, I've heard it called the Christian industrial complex. 
In order for you to follow Jesus, you have to yoke yourself to every leader in the Christian industrial complex. And then we wonder when leaders fail us and when and things fall apart, where, what, what was our faith based on? It was based on not on the rock, not on Jesus, not being yoked with Jesus. It was being yoked with philosophies and systems and people. Paul says, follow Jesus as I follow Jesus. And you know what? This is a good time to deconstruct yokes that we shouldn't be walking under. Man, if anything, we should be refining and coming to a place of Jesus being our primary yoke. We're going to find rest. We're going to find life. We're going to find we're not burdened and we're not weary. But we're going to find that we have to put down perhaps yokes that we've been carrying. The third concept of a yoke I, I want to pull out of the New Testament is the other place this is used, the word yoke is used, is in Acts 15. And this was a challenge to the early followers of Jesus. The early followers of Jesus were wrestling with this question. As non-Jewish people become followers of Jesus, what, what, what do we require of them? And there was a big requirement uh, among the Jewish people and a big tension and a big conflict that we should require circumcision and that they should follow the law. And so this big conference happens in Acts 15. This big discussion happens. And it says this in verse 5. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Okay, so think about that as a yoke. It's a yoke that the early church is saying these followers must have. So verse 6, it says, The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. Man, I got to believe that Jesus was in the room, as the Holy Spirit was in the room, and it was like, oh man, I'm so glad they got this right. Like, Man, do you remember what he said back in Matthew? And they might probably didn't at that time have Matthew to refer to. But this idea of like, oh my goodness, yeah, we were about to, again, apply a yoke on people that is not the yoke of Jesus. And I think that's a challenge for us today as followers of Jesus. Do we put yokes on people that Jesus never intended? One of my pet peeves is when, as Christians, we want to demand of culture an adherence to being followers of Jesus before they are followers of Jesus. It doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. We want people to be followers of Jesus before they're followers of Jesus because we want them to adhere to our yoke, to our standards. 
This topic is what the whole book of Galatians is, is written about. So Acts 15 is where this happened. Galatians is where it plays out in great depth, six chapters worth. And in chapter five, Paul says this, and I want to put this up. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And that yoke of slavery he's referring to is the circumcision and the law. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. These yokes are not minor things. These religious systems are not minor things. These, these um, substitutes for Jesus are not minor things. He's saying that Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Let's leave that slide up for, for me. This verse jumped out at me as we were preparing. You know, as, as followers of Jesus, we sometimes read these words of Jesus in Matthew, and we say, oh, this just applies to people who've never come to Jesus before, who haven't become followers of Jesus. But remember, these were people of Israel. These were people who knew the Torah. These were people who considered themselves the people of God. Jesus is coming to the people who consider themselves the people of God and saying, you need to take upon you a new yoke. You need to take upon me. You need to take me. And I think this is what Paul is doing too. He's writing to these people who are followers of Jesus. And he's saying, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Who, how did you take this yoke of Jesus off and shift and take this yoke of the law and put it on? How did you do that? Why did you do that? He's challenging them to make Jesus primary. Faith expressing itself through love. Coming to Jesus, taking his yoke. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So for us, as we think about us ourselves being yoked to Jesus, he desires that. He comes to all of us who are tired and weary, and he's like, be yoked with me. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. I will give you rest. He says, learn of me. I'm gentle and humble of heart. I want to teach you. I want to guide you. So are we today, are we individuals that are personally yoked with Jesus? If you've never, ever said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know Jesus. If you remember that image of, of yoking yourselves with Jesus, it's the best decision you're ever going to make. It's the best fitting. He, he comes alongside you as the older and educates us and trains us and teaches us and learns us and leads us and guides us. Hit yourself to Jesus. The second 
recommendation and invitation I want to make to us today is take an inventory of your yokes in your life. What are you connected to? Are those yokes reflecting the person and nature of Jesus in his kingdom? What yokes are bringing you death? What yokes are making you weary and burdened? What yokes are you putting above your yoke with Christ? By the way, I'm not getting rid of my yoke with Sarah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. If you're in a place of weariness, harshness, and heavy burdens, perhaps you're not giving priority to your connection with Jesus. He's gentle and humble in heart. He will teach you and give you rest. Let's begin working with Jesus in our yoke, yoked together, even in the hard work. It's not that we're called to easy things. It's that we're called to be yoked to the one who makes our very hard work easy to bear. Have you allowed past disappointments and failures and hurts and devastation with people you were yoked with to derail you in your yoking with Jesus? Did your previous imbalance and how you, perhaps you were overly yoked with people and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm following Paul. I'm not following Paul as I follow Jesus. I'm following Paul. And when Paul lets you down and Paul fails, where do you go? And I, I believe the Lord wants to bring healing and restoration and life and rest. He wants people to come to a new place by coming to him. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. And he doesn't beat us up and say, oh man, yeah, you, you hitched your wagon to Paul. Paul failed you and now, sorry. He's like, yeah, let's start again. Paul said, well, you know, you were running a good race and now you stopped. The reason he wrote the letter is he wanted them to keep on running a good race. We can always repent and change our minds and we can always reestablish the primacy of coming to Jesus as our primary. And the third, as, as a church, as a Christian community, as followers of Jesus, do we put yokes on others? Do we put yokes on the world, do we put yokes on others that are not the yoke of Jesus? Do we call people to come to something else besides Jesus? Jesus said, that's what I want. I want people to come to me and take my yoke. That's what I want. But are we running out like the early church did and said, well, we're going to put law on you. We're going to put circumcision. We're going to put all of these requirements on you. What is the message that we're conveying to the world? I believe the antidote for religious systems that make us weary and burdened is coming to Jesus and taking his yoke and letting the other ones be broken. So I want to invite us today to pray and to respond to the Lord. So, Lord, we come to you today. We thank you that you came. You came, Jesus, to be the exact representation of God at that historical time in history to, to look, to show us what the Father looks like, to show us God. 
And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here today, revealing the life of Jesus in our midst, revealing the life of Jesus to each one. And we just hear your voice. The voice of Jesus is calling and he's saying, come to me, come to me. Come to me for the first time. Come to me for the 10th time. Come to me for the 50th time. Come to me. Yes, I know that you've been disappointed and hurt by others that you are connected to. Yes, I know you've been, you, you put your trust in your own religion and your own rules and your own law. I know you did all that, but you're weary and you're burdened and you're, you're heavy and you're not thriving. Come to me and I will give you rest. Lord, we repent this morning. We repent this morning. I repent this morning of holding on to yokes and being yoked to other things and being yoked to other people and being yoked to other thoughts that take higher premacy than being yoked to you. I repent this morning of being yoked to things that don't reflect your kingdom in your heart. I repent this morning, Lord, of ways in which as church leaders and as churches, we've put yokes and burdens on others that are not of you, that you don't put on them. Thank you, Jesus, that your love is poured out. You desire for all to come to the knowledge of Jesus. So Lord, we as your people, we as this community, we as your body, we come to you again today. And we want to hear the, the voice of Paul in Galatians where he challenged them and said, who's cut in on you? And you've deviated from this life of faith in Christ alone. We repent for ways in which we have put our trust in other things. And today... Jesus, we receive your yoke. We come to you as our primary, as our only one, as the one who knows the Father and the Father knows. We come to you and we say, we want to be yoked to you. We want to learn from you like that younger animal learns from that older animal. We want to learn the rhythms of your grace. We want this yoke that's easy and light and well-fitting. And we want to be about, we want to be people of rest as we work with you, Jesus. In your name, amen.